0: Pastor Xavier Reese and effectively proclaiming the simple truth in light of false doctrine.
1: We have to understand the importance of being grounded and growing in Christ so that we can be effective witnesses. And so, those individuals that God would lead us to reach and pluck them out of the fire, the whole focus is compassion and service and reaching the lost so that we can be effective witnesses.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Charles Spurgeon once said, The truth is like a lion. Who ever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose and it will defend itself. This is the way the Word of God is. If we begin to proclaim it, it will defend itself. And that, says Pastor Xavier, is a simple truth worth remembering in light of the exhortation we find in the New Testament book of Jude to contend earnestly for the faith rather than contentiously bludgeoning those proclaiming a faulty gospel. More on confronting apostasy as we conclude a series on Jude today. Let's listen. Now, verse
1: 20 Jude gives us what the believer is to do regarding himself in the day of apostasy. But let me say that it's not exclusive of Day of Apostasy. We should always be doing this. But this is the counsel for the apostasy that was going on. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So the first thing he exhorts, now he's fulfilling his intent in verse 3. The first thing that we are to do as we see apostasy is to be building up ourselves in our most holy faith. It speaks about growing in Christ. It speaks about knowing the Word of God. It speaks about having wisdom to apply the Word of God. It speaks about not only growing in time, but in maturity. There are many people who grow in time in terms of age as adults, but they're immature. And they're little kids. The only difference is they got a beard, they can drive, they can vote, they can go into a bar, but they're still kids. They're immature. And so often in the church of Jesus Christ, if people are not mature, they aren't hurt to their own life. I think that's why 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 is classic, where Peter says, You therefore, beloved, Since you know these things beforehand, and he's just talking about their heritage, about the heretic, and about the hope of Christ's return. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. But grow. What's the solution? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Grow. That doesn't mean just no Bible answers or information. It means live up to your age in Christ. When a baby's put in the crib and he's drooling and messing his pants, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're 18 and you're doing that, you've got some problems. And so in your spiritual life, you need to grow and develop. And there's a legitimate time to crawl. A legitimate time when you try to walk and you fall. And even as an adult, though you have been walking for a long time, sometimes you trip over things and you fall. But if you tripped and you fell and you're 25 and all of a sudden you start stomping your feet and throwing a big tantrum it, then, then I realize you haven't matured emotionally very well. And so the author to the epistles in Hebrews in chapter 5 says, listen, you guys... You know, you guys have been in the Lord long enough. You guys should be teaching others, but instead someone needs to teach you all over again. And that truly is a sad commentary on the believer when that takes place. It's a state of carnality, infanthood, if you will. And so we need to be building up ourselves. God has given us the church, Ephesians four eleven through 16, to perfect the saints. This is just a food outlet. It's all it is. To teach you, to instruct you, to pray for you. To equip you for the work of ministry. To equip you so you can grow to the maturity and to the stature and the maturity of Christ. That you be not tossed to and fro like children being deceived. And hopefully you get to a state where you're mature enough so you can walk and you can teach others. That's what it's all about. The purpose of the church is not to evangelize the world. The purpose of the church is to perfect the saints. The privilege of the church... Is to evangelize the world. But the purpose of the church is to mature the saints. And for so often the church is propagated. The purpose of the church is to evangelize the world. That is not the purpose of the church. That's the privilege and the responsibility of the church. And the mission of the church. But the purpose of the church is to educate, to mature the saints. So that they can have an answer for the people who are in the world. They can communicate their faith intelligently, clearly. And they can be victorious in this world. And so we have a lot of people who are all zealous for evangelism. And that's, I'm all for it. Let's go for it. We need to evangelize. But they don't know anything about their faith. They don't know about any answers against somebody who's in the cults. They don't know how to live out their life at home. And so they're evangelizing the world, but they're rotten husbands, rotten wives. The Bible says that your testing grounds and your credentials are at home first. If you're not handling at home, then how can you be a representative of God? And I don't think you'll find any different qualifications. Search the scriptures. But yet we always make it a spiritual sacrifice. Say, well, look, all the I'm doing for God. Well, I don't care how much you're doing for God. If it's not happening in Jerusalem, it's just not happening. And Jerusalem is always home first. God has never called you to sacrifice your family for the sake of saving others. God will find somebody else to reach them. It's more important that you're an example first at home. Now others go with extreme with that. They're so caught up with their family, they never go and do anything. (laughs) We always seem to go to extreme. We don't like the middle. We don't like balance. And so we go to extremes to talk down the other people at the other end. And God says, walk right down that middle. Grow in maturity. Discern the difference. Be effective. Secondly, he says that we are to be praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is so important because it's really the means by which we tap into the things of God. Prayer in the Holy Spirit speaks about dependency on the Spirit of God. Romans eight twenty six and 27 says that we have one weakness. We don't know how to pray the way we ought. And so the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so at times when we just don't know how to pray, what to pray, and we go to prayer and we wait upon God, the Spirit at times makes intercessions for us. Those of you who have your prayer language, which means speaking in tongues... Then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, to pray in the Spirit. And so no one's handicapped. Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, I believe, pray in the Spirit. He's speaking about the armor. And in the context he's speaking about through prayer, we get to see what's really happening. How true that is for my life at times when I I, I really don't know what's happening. I go to prayer and then God gives me that peace and it really doesn't make any difference because He's in control. We're to pray about everything. We're to do nothing without prayer. And everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer without ceasing, Paul tells the Thessalonians. He just made that statement. He didn't take 20 verses to explain it. He just says, pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And so if we're going to survive apostasy, we better be men and women who are being built up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. In that sphere of love where God's love is affecting and transforming me first. And then secondly, that God's love is working through me to reach others. You see, I first have to be able to be open for the love of God so He can break my stony heart. So that I can be open to accept people as they are and not always have my little spiritual checklist. So that I can be open to forgive and not be bittered or or calloused. God's love must reside in my life so that my heart is open and tender and open for hurt and disappointment. And Then and only then will God's love be able to work through me to others. I mean, we've all experienced God's love in our own life. What a tremendous blessing. When God's love just is experienced by us, whether it be for our own life or in our life for others or whatever it is. And we know that it's not us. We know that it's the work of the Spirit because we're not that good. We're not that loving. We're not that forgiving. We're not that understanding. And yet we've all experienced times when we said, no, Lord, I'm not going to love. Forget it. There's no way. And yet the author to the epistle of Hebrews says, let us put aside That weight of sin that so easily besets us. And many be defiled thereby. Bitterness, resentment, and so many things. It will kill you more than the person you hate. It will do more damage to you than them. And so you've got one of two options for life. better or bitter. You've got no other option. What's it going to be? Sadly enough, at times we choose bitter. And it hurts us. It taints our whole view of life. It taints how we look at people. How we look at God. How we look at the body of Christ. Our openness to be used of God. It, it affects everything. And so we've been burned. So we'll teach them and we'll teach God. No one's going to burn me again. So I burn myself. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. And we need to be open. We need to just hang loose. Be on the cutting edge. Because God wants to use us. Stay in that sphere. You can't afford to get out of it. You really can't. I can't. You need to live right there. And then he says, Looking for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Expecting the Lord's return. Always. Every minute of the day. He can come at any time. But looking for the mercy in the day of apostasy. I need the mercies of God in my life to know how to deal with situations in my life. As I see so much apostasy and so much wrong teaching in the church. And I see people just going going head over hill with all the junk that goes on. Now I have to proclaim the truth. But I have to do it in the love of Jesus Christ. And so it's not that what we're saying is not true. It's how are you saying it? You know, I can tell my wife, iron me a shirt. Or I can say, "Hun, could you arm me a shirt? All the difference in the world. One says, I'm resentful towards you. The other one says, I sure love you and I know you love me. And the message is heard. All the difference in the world. And so we're not only looking for the mercies of Christ to deal with issues like that, but also the soon return of Christ. The blessed hope, Titus 2.13 says. Paul says that we have a hope beyond those who do not know Christ in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 through 18. That's Christ as he returns for us and he brings back all those who have died in Christ and then we will be caught up together in the air. I mean, it's gonna be out of this world. Instantly changed, just like him. Can't wait for that day. And as we look at the world, we look at situations, he's even at the door. Closer than when that statement was said 1,900 years ago. And so here you have four exhortations. As to what you are to do and notice a priority, first it deals with themselves. You must first be the husbandman. You must first be the partaker of your own fruits before you can give it out. This is what you first have to do in yourself, for yourself. And then he moves on in verse 22 and 23 on what the believer is to do regarding others in the day of apostasy. You see, first, God wants to work in you and in me. But that is only the first step. Then he wants to take you on to the second step, which is others. Get yourself a concordance and look up in the concordance The word others and see how often it comes up. Then look up the word one another. You'll be able to stay up all night as you count them. It's always me to get to others. It never stops with me. To stop with me is to think that I'm the most important person. I'm not the most important person. I'm only an instrument to get to others. And so now he tells the believers, you're not to be escapist, as often many people tell us who believe in the rapture, that we are escapist. I'm not an escapist. I just believe what the Word of God says. But while I'm waiting for Christ's return for me, I am to be busy ministering to others who do not know Christ. And on some Have compassion, making a distinction. But others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Now, in verse 22 and 23, there is a difference of opinion as to whether two categories of individuals are being described here or three. The King James and the New King James describes two categories. Other translations say there are three, depending on the manuscripts that they are using. The three that they say are these. The first one they say, First, we are to be reaching out to those, some, have mercy or compassion. In other words, those that are out their loss. Mercy and compassion. The second are those who are doubting, save snatching them out of the fire. They say that's the second category. Those who are doubting whether the scriptures are real, whether Christ is God. Then he says, save them who are doubting as you interrelate with them and give them answers. And he says that you're really snatching them out of the fire. The third category would be those others showing mercy in fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This is talking about that category of individual who is deeply steeped into sin to such extent that if you believe God is using you to reach Him, be careful as you be sucked into their sin. Be real careful. So if the three categories are what is shown in the original scriptures, then these are the three. If there's only two, then it's only the two that are shown here. And some have compassion. Making distinction. In other words, those who are sincere, those who are not. Those who truly are open and those who are just argumentative. And the second would be in verse 23, others say with fear, pulling the mean of an out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled. And so we need to realize that those who are uh, involved in apostasy, some have just been deceived. Others are just doubting. Others... We need to have compassion, but also godly fear lest we be sucked into that deception. And we have to be careful. The metaphor there of of even the garment, hating the garment, defiled by the flesh, really can be tied back to Amos chapter 4 verse 11 or Zechariah chapter 3 verse 2 and 3. Where it says that you are plucked as a branch out of the fire. In Amos, he's speaking about Israel, who God plucked as a branch out of the fire by his mercy and compassion, lest they would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. In Zechariah, he's speaking to Joshua, the high priest, as Satan is accusing him before the throne of God. And yet he's saying, look, he's a sinner. Look, he's vile. And God says, hey, I have made him clean. I have cleansed him. And he's like a branch plucked out of the fire. In other words, just God's grace and mercy. And so the fire represents the judgment of God. And so those individuals that God would lead us to reach and pluck them out of the fire, be careful if they are so steep into their sin or their deceptive system, lest you also be sucked in. And so there's a caution here. But the whole focus is compassion and service and reaching the lost. But that comes after you are grounded and you know what you're talking about. Now, that does not mean that you cannot lead anybody to the Lord or witness to them until you are certain time in the Lord. No, you can be one second in the Lord and in and, and that very same day, share your faith and people will come to Christ. So it's not saying that you can't. What I'm saying is that we have to understand the importance of being grounded and growing in Christ so that we can be effective witnesses. And see what the scriptures teach about the purpose of the church and then the privilege and the responsibility of reaching the lost. And so, remember here the priority. First yourself, then others. But it never stops with you. It's always others. Now, the famous doxology, he finishes up. He says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Notice that it says, now unto him who is able. He's able to keep me from what? Stumbling. The word is used for a sure-footed horse. First Corinthians 10.13 says that God is always going to show me the way of escape. God has not saved me to stumble me. God takes no delight in my failure. And so I have to recognize that God always shows me the way of escape. But it's up to me whether I take that way of escape. But He says that He's able to keep me from stumbling and to present me faultless. Spotless, the word is used for sacrifice. And notice how He's going to present me before Christ with exceeding joy. Jesus is not going to look over and say, Oh, Dad, this is John. No. He's say, Dad, this is John. He's one of mine. Spotless. Perfect. Because of Him. He is able. I don't have any trust in myself. How does that work out then? How is it that God keeps me and I'm to keep myself? I don't know, but Jude... Gives us both sides. We're to keep ourselves in God's love. And God is able to keep us. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, in his London pastor college, placed over his door, held while holding. (laughs) Interesting concept. Holding, I am held. Literally, he put there. Holding, I am held. When my children were real little, and I was going to cross a busy intersection, I never trusted them completely to grab a hold of my hand. As they held my hand, I was holding their hand. And they couldn't slip out of my hand. And so you have the two. I don't understand it. But I know it's scriptural. And so I take the one with one hand, grab the other with the left hand, And I walk right down that middle. And I make sure I am abiding in Christ Jesus. And that there's fruit on my branches. You will know them by their fruits. And so my trust is in God. I don't think that I'm able to keep myself. And yet I am part and parcel of it. I don't understand it. But I know it's scriptural. And so my trust is in Him. Because He is the only wise God and Savior. And therefore to Him belongs glory, splendor, majesty, greatness, dominion, control, power, ability to do anything because He is the authority that holds everything together. Now, that's the kind of God I want to serve. There's our confidence, not in ourself. For Paul says that God has put in this treasure and earthen vessels that the glory and power may be of God and not of ourself. He doesn't want us in glorying. Therefore, Paul says, what do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why in the world are you boasting? (laughs) All that we are, all that we ever will be is to God's glory and His love. And all I did was just hang loose (laughs) and just flowed with it. It's all by His mercy and by His grace.
0: Tremendous epistle.
1: I hope you meditate on it. I hope that it
0: helps you. What great eternal hope we have in Christ, as promised in the familiar doxology closing the epistle of Jude. And with that, Pastor Xavier closes out our verse-by-verse study series of Jude. And today's message has simply been titled, Jude Part 4, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Jude Part 4. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.